This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Eben Novi williams And I'm an uncomfortable Scott Soshnick having to do the we part, knowing Eben will not participate. But I'm going to do it the way that you know Medina likes us to do it. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we, we, thank you, Michael, explore the big money issues in the world of sports. On this week's show, we are speaking with Arizona Hotshots quarterback Jack Hennigan. But first, let's get to this week's topics, and let's start with the <laughs> the MLB awarding arbitration belt. Yeah. Please explain to me. Well... I mean, this we should have done this last week, but somehow other stuff came up when, when this story came out. But Barr, you know how MLB teams, when they want to pay a guy a certain figure and the guy, the player wants more, they go to arbitration. Right. And somebody decides the proper right. amount. Right. Okay. Well, apparently, Major League Baseball has one of those replica WWE belts that the champ, you know, the big WWE championship belts. And apparently MLB, in its infinite wisdom, has been giving this belt as sort of a trophy to the team that saves the most money, that wins the most number of arbitration awards or saves the most dollars, which doesn't seem like a good way to ingratiate yourself to the players. And I turn it over to Mr. Eben Novi Williams. Yeah, it's it's certainly a bad look. Uh I would posit or I would ask you guys, how different do you think? I mean, the the, the optics of the belt, bad, certainly. How different is this? Optics, bad. (laughs) How how different is this than, you know, NFL owners giving Roger Goodell a a couple million dollar pay bump because they feel like he did a great job in CBA negotiations? But see, the difference with that is you can say, hey, we like Roger Goodell. We want to give him a raise. You don't have a belt that says, hey, we're stingy. Well, this yeah, is sort it doesn't of a say contentious. Where it's like, hey, hey, the the two sides are on different sides here, right? Owners want to pay less, and players want more money. But MLB uh, is not is... supposed to care. Like, the, well, sure the, they do. They're they're I, in I, they're in negotiations I with players every five or ten years. It's a really bad idea. I agree. It's it's a bad idea <laughs> that should have been nixed a long time ago. Yeah. But but people, I mean, I, I assume fans realize that these these sides are very often against each other on opposite sides of the table. Uh, let's talk about the NCAA uh, tournament payouts. Uh, all oh, before of we get units. to the payouts, bar. Remember, I've been talking about my neighbor. Yes, who has the inflatable Sparty on his front lawn. Yes, go to my Twitter feed. I actually put the picture out there. By the way, he needs to pump it up a little bit. Sparty looks a little flat, but to we love Medina. But on the Twitter feed, she actually responded. I guess she didn't really look like. I mean, I put the Michigan State Twitter handle, the whole thing. She's like. What is that, a Spartan? <laughs> Medina, defend yourself. <laughs> I Okay, I didn't know that it was a Spartan one. I didn't know Michigan State's mascot was a Spartan. In fact, I thought it looked like a Viking. Oh, I'm glad so. you put Spartan, Lord not Viking. I was going mercy, to put Viking, please. but I changed it to Spartan. What? <laughs> I, I know, I, I know, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm a native Michigander. It's just, we just know that 
the green and white, that's Michigan State. Maize and blue, Michigan. And by the way, what is the mascot for Michigan? A Viking? It looks like a, it looks like an otter. <laughs> what is that? An otter? Beaver? <laughs> Badger? I have no idea. I don't know. It's the Wolverine. Yes, the Wolverine. Wolverine. Oh, my high Movie? school Anyone? mascot was Anyone? a Wolverine. Anyway. Anyone? Anyone? Movie? Wolverines! No, that one I don't know. Uh, go look at it. So to bring us back on topic, yes. uh, speaking, <laughs> speaking of the Evan Spartans. Evan always brings us back. Speaking of the Spartans, uh, the, the success that the Spartans had uh, in, in the NCAA tournament, uh, providing a the largest payout, uh, the way the NCAA gives out money during the tournament, you know, each game that a, that a team plays, the conference gets in a 60-year run about $1.8 million uh, for that game. Uh, the success that the Big Ten had this year, better than any other conference, led by, obviously, by Michigan State, um, $37.8 million that the, the, the Big Ten Conference will see as a result of success Congratulations, here. Rutgers. Following right behind <laughs> ACC, 20 games played, $36 million. SEC, a surprise here. This is a record, I think, for the SEC. 19 games played, uh, $34.2 million. Oh, so a lot over. of money going out there, uh, but the Big Ten will come away with the biggest payout as a result. So you of and this, I have talked about this, Eben, sort of off air. If we're one of these, I don't want to say non power conferences, and you have a team that, let's say the one power team, that is certainly going to make the tournament whether they win the conference tournament or not, it would behoove the rest of the conference to just tell that top seeded team. Eh, take a dive. Yeah, the West. Let's get a second because you get the automatic berth if you win the conference. West Coast tournament. Conference, there perfect example. Gonzaga went fairly far. They were going in anyway. But St. Mary's got in because they beat Gonzaga, right. played an extra game, and that's another $1.8 million for the conference itself. Thank you very much. Uh, let's talk about uh, Vista, the perform sale. What's up? Well, you know, the DAZN group, Len Blavatnik's right. perform, there's two sides to the business. There was perform, which is sort of your Opta. Uh, data tracking and betting house information, that sort of. And then the other side, which is sucking up lots of money, John Skipper's DAZN, which is bidding on sports rights all over the globe, wants to be a big player, uh, already is a player, and maybe bid on some big-time U.S. sports rights coming up. So uh, they sold off or are in the process of selling off the Perform Group side, which is obviously the non-streaming or OTT service. And that money is going to go to John Skipper. So, you know, if you're looking around the, the global landscape, uh, if I'm a league and I'm looking to make some bucks, one of my first calls these days is going to be John Skipper and say, are you interested in this content? Yeah, what a what a shift and, and what a transition for this company, right? Two years ago, this this perform content side of things was, was the bulk of the business, 75% of their business. Now they're selling that entire business to pay for the new shiny object to zone. John Skipper. Now for this week's interview, and he's a friend of the show. And friend of the program. Yes, especially after all that happened. The AAF folded, and players lost their jobs, including Jack. We're very fortunate to talk to him, and uh, God bless uh, to have uh, Jack Hennigan. He is an Arizona Hotshots quarterback. Well, now Ivy with the League, AAF. Yeah. Ivy League, Dartmouth College, economics degree, Outside of Tom Dundon, who was on the show not long ago and doesn't seem to be returning uh, Eben's emails these days, but outside of Dundon, who's put in like 75 million bucks and had the option to shut this thing down or not, I can't think of a better guest that you'd want to have right now asking questions than Jack Hennigan. He's on the inside. He was sort of getting his news and information like everybody else. He yeah. saw players trying to figure out, wait, do we have jobs? Is there a league? Where do we go? What do we do? All with the critical eye 
of a guy back with an economics degree saying there's the football side of this story and there's the finance side of this story. And he can help us digest both of them. He's lucky that, like you said, he has a degree from Dartmouth. So if this is the end of the road for the AAF, which it looks like it is, uh, he can go on and do other things. Well, he's done some private equity work. Uh, there's also, and we'll discuss this later on with him, there's the XFL. He had a cup of coffee with the San Francisco 49ers. So he wants to play football. He's made that clear. He wants to play football. But understanding this story at this time, this is the perfect guy. Well, uh, joining us is Jack Hennigan. Uh, busy time. Jack, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, uh, definitely hectic, uh, hectic couple of days, but uh, great to talk to you guys. Well, what's the right intro? Are you an AAF player or are you a former AAF player or do you even know the right answer to that question right now? Um, I think the right answer is former AAF player. Uh, received sort of the, the official word that the, the league was seizing football and then uh, as players we received official word that we were kind of separated from the league. So uh, former is unfortunately the right way to describe it. What was the chatter like in the locker room? Obviously, you're seeing media reports, you're you're seeing tweets. Were players calling each other, calling coaches, or are you just sort of like stand by? Let's see what happens. So before our last game, uh, we played the San Antonio Commanders uh, in Week Eight, which was our ended up being our last game. Before that game is when the kind of initial reports came out uh, that included some of the wording from Tom Dundon that uh, ceasing operations was on the table. Uh, that was unfortunate to hear, but I don't really think uh, impacted our preparation. People were asking each other and definitely gossiping a little bit, but uh, we wanted to win the win that last game uh, if it was our last game, and we wanted to you know put out good film and all that. Um, so I don't think it kind of uh, changed our mindset too much, other than the gossip. But uh, things really picked up after that game. Um, you know, when we had the sense that uh, the league might end some point during the week. Um, and then, obviously, when we got the news uh, yesterday as a full team, uh, that was kind of uh, a hectic ending. Now, Jack, you have an economics degree from Dartmouth. Do you think this would make a good case study one day? Uh, I think this this absolutely would. I think it'd be uh, it'd be a great case study for um, you know a venture capital class or a kind of funding a new businesses class um, because you know there's there's a lot of factors at play. I think the uh, the first is that the the football product, and um, you know, don't mean to advocate too strongly for for my fellow players, but you know, things were were going well on the field uh, in terms of developing a kind of minor league developmental platform for the NFL. Uh, the the games were on their way there, um, but the kind of the business and the pitch of it as a technology product, uh, I think, was a little bit misaligned with with how kind of the the reality was shaking out on the field. So um, the the struggle there and the struggle that. Um, you know, I can only speculate about because it happened behind closed doors b- between our sort of management um, would also be, be an interesting case study. But uh, in my involvement, I was focused on the football part, and uh, that part was, was pretty good. I have to ask, there were some very sad stories about how the players found out, and we're hearing stories that players who were on the road were stranded. They couldn't get back. It's, have you heard anything like that? Um. I've definitely heard some stories. Um, I, I know that I heard, you know, from a teammate texting me to, to look at Twitter first uh, before I, you know, heard it officially from our from our team. Um, but we, we did have a meeting uh, later uh, after kind of the news broke, and, and I did hear some stories about guys who had signed on for for one last week uh, or were new new additions to different teams uh, and were were about to leave or going to be in transit to their teams, and uh, and then were had had their flights out canceled. So 
Uh, everybody has a, an interesting story about sort of where they were when they heard the news. Um, and it was, uh, I think, frustrating for a lot of guys. How closely do you think people were following kind of the financial situation of the league? I mean, certainly the, the, the payroll problems in week two and then Dundon potentially giving $250 million and, and, and maybe a lot less than that um, a couple weeks later. What, how, how closely do you think players were really focusing on football versus kind of trying to pay attention to how, uh, how vibrant the league was doing financially? Yeah, I think players were primarily focused on football. Uh, it's tough to completely block out anything uh, as serious as kind of whether or not your employer has, has the money to pay you. So, so guys weren't uh, unaware, um, and I think some of the, the coaches and uh, our training and media and business staff were, were even more aware because that uh, you know, was, was their job as well. Um, but, but players, uh, once the season starts, you, know, you get in your routine and the, uh, the football aspect of winning each game and taking care of your body uh, takes priority. Um, so, so it wasn't a huge distraction for guys, but uh, to say that people didn't think about it uh, would would also not be true. Is there? Are you angry? I mean, it, it, the Charlie Ebersol, you know, a couple of weeks ago was on Dan Patrick, you know, essentially bragging that you know we're never going to need money again. He told you know various news outlets they had three to five years of runway before the the season started. Tom Dundon was on our own podcast a couple of weeks after you were. Uh, three weeks ago, saying how how well things were going since he invested, um, is, is there a feeling that there was people were sold a bill of goods here? Well, about I mean, the Bill Polian's angry. Steve Spurrier's angry. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Are you angry? Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know if I'd go so far to use the word anger, uh, if only because as a player, um, kind of this this business uh, should should let you know that there's going to be ups and downs, and you kind of need to focus mm-hmm. on what you can control and and be in the in the best shape and being the best player you can be, but. Uh, definitely upset uh, and, and feel upset um, kind of on the part of some of the those other uh, parties you mentioned. You know, uh, we had with trainers and media staff and kind of other uh, coaches and supportive, supportive folks that um, put a lot into this and expected it to be around for, you know, a handful of years. Uh, you know as a player that your career could, could honestly end each week um, or, or with each season. But uh, I've definitely, you know, got really close with, with the kind of the broader hotshot organization and I imagine players across the AAF were similar um, and I'm pretty upset to see kind of what they're going through and in some cases having moved families out here and all that um, but but that's that's part of the the business and I think the other thing that has frustrated us particularly in Arizona when we were kind of on a, a good winning streak here at the end is that um, this ended before the chance to, to finish out the season and uh, I think a couple teams uh, that's part of why Coach Spurrier's mad. It sounds like felt like they were playing well and wanted, uh, even if it was going to be the only championship ever, the, the chance to compete and push towards the AAF championship. So uh, to not even get that opportunity and uh, to not get those last couple games uh, of opportunity to put out film and get on you know NFL radars, uh, I think is is leaving a lot of guys angry. We're speaking with Jack Hennigan, quarterback in the AAF, and there have been so many theories about why the league just went belly up. Uh, some are saying that uh, the league tried to bite off uh, too much. What are your thoughts about it? What What do you think happened? Yeah, um, I, I don't think that I can can fully address some of the the theories that are out there about you know uh, Tom Dundon's motivations for investing or um, you know different things related to kind of the corporate um, infrastructure. But I can say uh, just you know, as a player and as an observer, I think the uh, there seemed to be a little bit of a mismatch between what. Uh, we were doing on the field and what the coaches and you know team were doing with us and what kind of the league uh, might have been been pitching itself as or billing itself as I think uh, patience is definitely would have been a virtue with something like this where the kind of the you know end goal or the you know ideal end product would be a, a healthy kind of thriving minor league for the NFL 
that's that's not necessarily aligned with a you know venture capital uh, fast growth type investment that it sounds like was made initially and was maybe a part of Tom Dunson's thesis. So uh, that's that's kind of the way I look at it. That that if you look at just the football only, um, it was getting towards what kind of it should have been in the sense that it looked like you know at the second half of an NFL preseason game and. Uh, guys were were putting out good film and you know legitimately p- p- positioning themselves to go back to the NFL. But um, you know to to just be a a healthy D league, I think is is different than something that you invest uh, two hundred fifty million dollars in. And to add to that, I mean, I would argue that there was also kind of a disconnect between the you know the the vision that the founders had and the vision of the money. Um, and, and and you know you're you're a Bay Area guy. This is a tale as old as time in Silicon Valley, right? That that you have founders of a startup who, who envision it as X, and when they need money, they they turn to person Y to help fund it. Um, and oftentimes, and and it seems like what happened here, you know, you 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 give up a lot of a lot of the rights about the future of the company when you take a, a check as large as they did, um, and it left the control of uh, and the decision making in the hands of someone that wasn't them. Um, and Scott, as you mentioned, you know, Bill Polian not didn't seem happy about this decision, but it seemed to be a decision that rested solely in the hands of not the founders, but the person who kind of came in and and delivered money when they needed a round. Well, that, that's the lesson, Jack. You took the class that you, anybody can have the money, but you have to have the strategic vision aligned as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Evan, I saw your, your tweet about kind of this being billed when it came out as a series infinity round, and yeah. uh, that that's not always you know the best um, for for every business, and people need to know what they're getting into. And I think uh, what you're seeing now is unfortunately the result of that. So, given your background you know, in economics and, you know, that you've, you've seen this league, you know, through through seven, eight weeks. Do you think that springtime football, another professional football league to, that, that exists in the spring, is a viable business plan if done properly in the U.S.? Uh, I, I think so, uh, if only because you see uh, sort of comparable levels of sports, uh, whether it's AAA baseball or the, the G League or some of the kind of second-tier uh, hockey or bas- uh, hockey leagues as well, um, exist. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be a viable business that, like I said, raises you know a quarter of a billion dollars and uh, is kind of an end product or finished product uh, right out of the box. Um, but I think with patience and um, with kind of the, the right structure and uh, slowly but surely building uh, something that that people are used to as a brand and something that could maybe partner with uh, the established league in the NFL, um, I think that could exist. But uh, it you know would need to be done a little bit differently, I think, than at least the last. Uh, two iterations, as you've seen in the the, the um, AAF and the XFL, where it kind of came out uh, a little bit, maybe over its skis uh, in the media. So, Jack, let's close on this. Then we do know that Vince McMahon is coming with the XFL. One, is that a better model because he's got the cash? And two, uh, what is it for you? Should they call? Is that a fool me once, or is no? Nope, I'm willing to take another shot. Um, that's a that's a good question. Uh, I think I don't really know much about the NFL. Or, sorry, the XFL. Um, I do know that uh, that having kind of one sole investor who is also the founder uh, is probably a good thing and, and is a little bit different than our situation was here. Uh, I'd be interested in, in playing, definitely. Uh, I'm uh, you know one, one day off of my uh, most recent league folding, so I'm not going to commit to anything yet, but I um, would like to keep playing this sport. So I'm, I'm training, and I will be ready, hopefully, if the NFL calls or uh, you know if other leagues exist, I would be willing to give them a look. All right, Jack Hennigan, thanks very much. No matter where you are, we'll be watching. All right, thank you, guys. Time now for takeaways. Um, this one, I don't know why this bothers me as much as it does. 
because now what I was taking away from this interview, you have to remember we're talking to a man who just lost his job. Now, fortunately, he has a degree to fall back on. But I think about those other guys who that's it. This was football. This is this is how I put food yeah, on the table. But as Jack said, by the way, Barlow, go beyond that. It's not just about the players. Because he said, I've fostered relationships throughout the organization. Yeah. You have media relations people. You have people, parking lot attendants. There's a lot of people employed by these franchises. This is how they put a, they put a roof over their head. And then in eight weeks, bam, it's gone. And, and it just... That to me, that's something that's sacred to me. It's like uh, any man or woman should be able to make a living. And when it's taken away, I always feel bad about that. And I feel bad for the people who who put it with Charlie Ebersol, uh and I and uh, Bill Polian. I feel bad too. This was their dream, and it just blew apart. And Alexandria Ocasio Bar. <laughs> Jack was very A O B. <laughs> Jack was level headed about the whole thing. We're hearing more and more information now about the situation that a lot of coaches and players found themselves in, there are definitely people out there that are angry, right? Uh, Salt Lake Stallions linebacker Gianni Paul was on Twitter this week. You know, he played a game, broke his arm. Less than two days later, the league folded. He's looking for an apartment. He needs to pay his own medical bills now for his broken arm. Um, he needs money to, to, to fund the apartment. This is a situation that I think a lot of these players are now finding themselves in. We haven't seen the there first lawsuit, but people it's coming. People kicked out of hotels. There were players on the road who had to pay their airfare back home. Um, he certainly, you know, I, I don't want to speak for Tom Dundon. We don't fully understand the reasons why this thing folded. But you would think that a billionaire might be willing to allow the thing to fold in a graceful manner. And it certainly doesn't feel as though that happened in this situation. Well, Medina, you had a very simple question that maybe others are wondering about. Is there really a need for the AAF? Do people really want to watch football in the spring? I think that's a question that needs to be answered because we are knee-jerk reaction to insatiable appetite for football. Insatiable, insatiable, insatiable. People love the NFL. Does that mean, and that's a great question, does that mean, and of course, this doesn't have to be the NFL. It doesn't have to be what that is. But is there an appetite? Is there a market for a demand for spring football? You, we, I mean, we asked Jack that exact question, and you heard his answer. I think next year we're going to probably find out the answer once and for all, right? Yeah, this Vince, is something if, that's, if Vince that's McMahon been tried doesn't make it work this many time. times. But Vince McMahon has sold stock. He is well capitalized. He certainly understands the TV world, the entertainment world. Uh, if we get to this point next year and AAF folded after before one year was out and XFL doesn't make it to year two, then I think maybe we have an answer about whether you know springtime professional football is something that can ever really exist in today's climate. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since the kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. This is easy. 60. No. <laughs> 60. Bubba Wallace. No. Uh, 60. Kevin Harvick. The way you're saying it makes me think that that's a hint. It's something with race car, NASCAR. No, no, no he, he no, didn't no. do NASCAR again. He didn't want to get scolded. The, <laughs> the slowest pitch thrown in the first week of Major League Baseball. But hey, you're, now you're on the right track. Oh. 60. 
All I can say about this is this organization has been around for 60 years. All I can say is we put Barr in charge of one thing each week. The number of the week. That's all I will say. 2019. Been around for 60 years. 60. The the Detroit Lions. No. Uh, No. Detroit Lions. That's football. We're doing baseball. Side by Tigers. Sorry, Tigers. Tigers. Think closer to home. home. Meet the Mets. Thank you. 1969. The the 62 Mets were the worst ever. Well, yes, they were. But but this is the 60th year for the Mets. Oh, okay. That was your business of sports number of the week. That was the number. The yeah, I. Okay. You know what? I, it's. I remember seeing the '69 World Series because it came yeah. after the '68 World Series that the Detroit Tigers won. And then, as a little boy, I was like, "Wow, baseball must be good." So then I saw the '69 Mets, and I was watching. You know, the fans tear up Shea Stadium when they won. I, I, that surprised me when they did that. I'm oh. confused. The Mets '62 was the first year, right? Yeah. But wouldn't this how, be? How do we get? How do we get to sixty how'd years? How do we get to sixty? Well, wait a minute. Wouldn't this be sixty? Wouldn't this be the the sixtieth season for the Mets? Do sixty-two? Wow. I, maybe I'm an idiot. No, no, no. It seems well, like it would be fifty-eight. No, fifty-eight I, years. Fifty-eight, maybe fifty-nine. No, wait, not even fifty-six, fifty-seven. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> Hold on, we may need a new number of the week, Manita. <laughs> we might need a new number of the week. Actually, we should just keep this the going. Num- we put them in charge of one Mets. thing each week. And can you can you play this and then bring up some clown car music for Barr? <laughs> Where did he read this? I swear I thought this was <laughs> the 60th season of the Mets. Guys, this is not scripted. <laughs> Turns out the better answer was Kevin Harvick. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, my God. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. You guys keep talking. Go ahead. It's, it's the 50th anniversary of the 69 World Series. Right. That I got. might be what you're thinking of. Yeah. But we're, we're a couple years away from 60. It's At the risk of some uh, some podcast reviewers saying that we're looking to bolster our old brands here. Uh, I got- <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> no, we are not. It's a... Close it home. Oh, oh, oh my, my goodness! Lord. All right, so send uh, anyone. We for will a, do better next week. Gifts from Michael <laughs> Barr, was, a calculator. That was that was that was bad, folks. That was, what what way, did you use? Your like your abacus? I, I was I was thinking sliding beads left and right. I, I, I was. You know what? I I was. I, I don't ask me. This, dang. Okay. Unbelievable. All right. So the number is now fifty-eight. <laughs> Well, <laughs> you've been listening, and I hope you continue to listen to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We are here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. You can catch the show Mondays, <laughs> Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I, I'm Evan Novi Williams, I think. I'm not even sure what's real anymore. Uh, you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I have, I mean, I'm Scott Sashnick, but I've lost my pages. I've lost everything. I can't, I can't believe you did that. Give me your your Twitter handle, man. It's it's no underscore, and my last name's in there somewhere. Just look it up. You'll find it. (laughs) Oh, man. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.